Well, good morning. It's so good to be with all of you today as we begin a brand new collection of sermons entitled Up in Smoke. And we're answering one question all collection long, all month long. And the question is this, what do you do when your life goes up in smoke? What do you do when your plans, what do you do when your hopes, your dreams, what do you do when 2020 goes up in smoke? And the answer is is simple but yet profound, and we're going to answer it and look at it from a lot of different ways, but the answer to the question is this. You encounter God around the fire. You encounter God around the fire. Uh, this month, all through kind of the U.S. especially, is kind of known as the, the month where we have Pastor Appreciation Month kind of across uh, the, the, the church at, at large. And every, each year, our, our board of elders, our trustees, they, 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 they do something special to, to honor uh, myself. It's just a, a really great uh, and a wonderful blessing. And they do it on behalf of, of you as the church. Um, but I want to come today and I want to ask you to join me in showing um, great gratitude and appreciation to our staff, our team. We have a great group of leaders who help who, who come alongside or are part of our team, uh, other pastors and directors uh, of different areas and ministries in our church. And so I'm going to ask this month, would you uh, just pray and ask the Lord, Lord, how can I show some appreciation to them personally? Maybe it's a social post where you get real specific with your gratitude. Maybe there's an act of generosity, a, a random act of kindness, a card that you would send to them in the mail. Would you uh, do something this month to show your love, your adoration, your appreciation for those who labor and serve and work among us to help us uh, move forward, that, that bring ministry to us week in and week out. I know they've been a blessing to you. They're a blessing to me. And so I want to invite you to uh, join me in doing that this month and in whatever ways the Lord would put on your heart. Let's just overrun them with some gratitude this month. Um, I mentioned that we're starting a brand new collection of uh, sermons today where we're, we're going to encounter God around the fire, and uh, this Wednesday is our first Wednesday uh, night of prayer, and we're going to do some worship, and so we figured uh, if we're going to encounter God around the fire, why not go ahead and encounter God around a fire? So this Wednesday, 7 o'clock, it's first Wednesday, we're going to start a bonfire in the middle of our parking lot, and we want you to come as we worship, and don't worry, the parking lot's not going to catch fire, it'll really be okay. Uh, we're going to encounter God around the fire, we're going to gather around a campfire, we're going to worship. And we're going to spend some time praying together. And so we invite you to come, join us, bring a chair to sit on, and dress weather appropriate. And we're going to encounter God around the fires. We just kind of seek him and set our hearts towards him on the first Wednesday of the month. And so it's going to be this Wednesday, 7 o'clock. I hope you'll, you'll make plans to join us. Well, let's get into the word. Luke chapter 22 is where we find this Sunday's teaching text. Luke 22 Starting in verse 54, this is what it says. It says, Then, seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. They're talking about Jesus here. Peter followed at a distance. How many of you know it's never good to try and follow God at a distance? The closer you get, the better life goes. But he followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. 
Peter denied it. Woman, you, you don't, I don't know him. No, no, no. You got me confused. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also, you, you were one of them. Man, I, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus, just as he was speaking, rather, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly went outside and he wept bitterly. This is the word of the Lord. One of my favorite things to do uh, when studying scripture is to do what's called a word study, where you find a, a word or a phrase or a, or a theme, and you find all the different places in scripture where that's mentioned. In fact, uh, most of your printed uh, Bibles help you with this. There's a, a section in between each page, kind of right there in the middle margin space, and it's got little references with little uh, uh, letters that are kind of footnoted in the, uh, a verse or a text. Those are called cross-references. In other words, when you're reading a verse and you see a little letter in the, in the verse, you could go to that middle column of that page, find the cross-reference, that little note that it's giving you, and you can follow that reference to that next passage and see where that theme, that word, is also mentioned. It's, it's one of the ways you can study scripture. Over the next four weeks, uh, Pastor Clayton and I are going to bring messages around this kind of word study, this theme of fire and smoke. What, is, what does God want to reveal to us and help us see? What do we do when life goes up in smoke? What do you do when your hope seems to completely flame out? What do you do when your faith seems to get snuffed out? And, and all of your hopes, your dreams, your passions, your desires, what you thought would happen didn't happen, and it's like everything is just ablaze around you. What do you do in those, in those moments? I think it's interesting that in each of the, uh, in, in, in three of the four gospel accounts, where this story is uh, listed, where we see Peter's denial. Each three of them specifically mention the fire. Specifically mention that there was a fire burning in the courtyard. And we get a glimpse into what is happening in Peter's life. We get a glimpse into to what he's thinking. We get a glimpse into what could be seen as the darkest moments of Peter's life. And in the darkest moments of Peter's life, there is something that is burning still bright around him. It's, it's interesting that as, as this fire burns, what was created for warmth and comfort can often create a cold response and a moment of discomfort we see in Peter's life. Fire all through scripture, it's, it's interesting because fire can purify, refining something like gold. We, we see in scripture that fire can purge 
like a burning field which restores the soil to grow something new again. Fire has a way of producing something when it's crafted and partnered with a mold of some sort that molds into something beautiful. Fire has a way of forging a transformation within us. Fire is a powerful image used through scripture. It's a, often some of the most moments where I don't know about you, but when I'm sitting around a fire, whether in my house or in my backyard in a fire pit or in some field as a bonfire, there is something inviting, something intimate, something of a moment of transparency that seems to occur when we gather around the fire. I was doing some reading this week uh, on fires, and, and I learned something uh, from a website that was written for firefighters. And they talk about as fire burns within a specific compartment, hot fire gases expand, resulting in an increase in pressure. And things then become unstable and unpredictable, and this is where things begin to combust and explode. You ever felt pressure so much in your life that something combusted? You had one of those flesh burst moments, right, where, where the anger just welled up in you and the pressure of the circumstance caused you to uh, expel something and combust in a way and words were flying out of your mouth faster than you can catch them and put them back in. What happens in your job when the deadline is on and your boss is breathing down your neck and pressure, pressure, pressure? How do you respond? What, do, what occurs? In what ways have you combusted? When the financial pressures in your family begin to tighten and it squeezes you, what kind of discussions do you and your spouse have in those moments? It's pressure, pressure, pressure. And we all have moments in our lives where the fire rages. Of course, I'm speaking more metaphorically than I am literally. When life circumstances, whether created by our own actions or by actions of others or by realities that we didn't ask for, but yet we find ourselves in the middle of these situations, when the pressure begins to come and surround us, it's often that in, in those moments something combusts from within us, and it reveals what has been inside of us. Pressure has a way of revealing what is on the inside, doesn't it? It reveals what you're really made of, or better yet, what you've been putting in. 2020 has not been a year that any of us thought would ever happen. We've seen things around us and in our, in our world that have been quite combustible, if you will. Where pressure has mounted from all sides and we found ourselves locked in our homes and the pressure just seems to mount. And the best of us and the worst of us have been seen in 2020. It's been a firing year of sorts where the pressure and the heat has been cranked up in our lives. And what has been inside of us has come and been revealed from the outside of us. Uh, I think it's interesting that for many of us, COVID-19 has been this moment where 
we had to come face to faith with, with our insecurities. We had to come face to face with some of our greatest fears. Many of us have had to come face to face with the broken relationships that have existed in our homes. And we've been locked in a space that we thought was safe, but now we're realizing is just toxic. We found ourselves worrying about things that we never thought we'd have to worry about. COVID-19 and this year of 2020 has been a pressure-packed reality for all of us. And I wish I could sit up here and tell you that everything that has combusted from this pressure has been beautiful and good in my life. Oh, how I wish I could say that. I, I have begun fielding many, many phone calls from many in our congregation and our community where, where the addiction they thought they overcame showed up with a vengeance in the middle of a season where they had no escape. Where marriages that they thought they could just ignore the pain of, they all of a sudden have come face to face and the brokenness is showing up and the pain is real and things are showing out. Where we're in a middle where we thought we were okay with our neighbor, we've been so bored, all we can do is get frustrated at someone else and we pick apart posts and we get political and we, and we pull apart all these things and, and the worst of us has been on display and we're all combusting. And you know what I find interesting, and, and, and this is not just a, a statement for our church, but I think for the church across the world, uh, or at least in America, it's simply this, that we have found ourselves in uncomfortable situations now, and uncomfortable realities, and we've been confronted with some of these things that pressure has been revealing, and as a result, we've looked and we've grabbed for every element of comfort that we possibly can. And we've done everything we possibly can to find some level of comfort in our lives and it's crept into our Christian walks. I, I, I'm calling us, if you are a part of Faith Church, I'm asking you to reestablish the holy habit of gathering together. Put on a hazmat suit if you need to. But it's time we gather again. It's been great to be able to experience church from the comfort of our couch. But my concern in this moment is that we've allowed these comforts to become our normal routines now. And we've slipped into a consumer Christianity again. And it's time we reawaken it and say it's time to be committed contributors once again. And our personal relationships with God have become this thing that we do in a crisis moment rather than a continual lifestyle for us. Because the reality is, is what is coming out is revealing something about us. And, and, and for some of us, it's good. And for some of us, it's not as good. Because when the fire begins to burn and the hotter it gets and when things, when the heat gets turned up in our lives, we will combust and reveal what is on the inside. I think this is why we need to think about this. When pressure comes, what do you want to see come out? And that which you want to see come out is what you need to first put in. What you put in is what will come out when the pressure mounts. What you put in is what will come out when the pressure mounts. I think this is what Psalm 19 verse 11 is all about. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, O God. 
I have hidden, I have embedded, I have installed, I have inputted your word, oh God, in my heart so that I don't take for granted, I don't misstep, I don't mystique, I don't combust and allow all the negativity to come out. But rather, God, I'm hiding your word in my heart. I'm not letting the vulgarities stream out of my mouth because of the vulgarities that I've put in my eyes. I'm not allowing the negativity to come out of my mouth because I'm not entertaining it in my ears. I'm not allowing gossip to spew out of my mouth because I'm not entertaining it in my ears. See, what you put in is what will come out. Friends, it's time to realign ourselves and to commit ourselves. And in these moments of pressure, let's make sure sure that what we're putting in is God's word. We put it in, and then when the pressure comes, that's what comes out. Not fear, not anxiety, not worry, not hatred, not racism, not ignorance, not frustration. No, no, we're putting in his word in our hearts. We're letting his love wash over us. We're letting his peace fill our hearts. Why? Because we're, what we put in is what will come out. We're putting in his faith so that when the pressure comes, what is revealed is our faith. Fire has a way of creating this pressure. And for Peter, it created a pressure too. Around the fire, literally and proverbially, the fire pressed him. And what came out was a denial of Jesus as his Lord. It was, it was an interesting moment, see, because this denial wasn't something that Peter wasn't aware was coming because Jesus told him, Peter, look out, this is what's going to come. In Mark chapter 14, starting in, in verse 27, you, you get a glimpse into this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And he says, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But Peter then declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Man, I love Peter's gumption. I love his boldness, as ignorant as it may have been. I will not. Oh, his intentions I know were good. Lord, everybody else is going to leave you. Never, ever will I leave you, oh, Lord. And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, today, yes, tonight, like not even within 24 hours, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, like almost cursing. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. I think pre-COVID-19, all of us would have, uh, I, th I think we all, even to this day, would stand up and say, I will never disown the Lord. I will never deny Jesus as Lord. In fact, I've got memes that I've shared time and time again that prove that I will never deny the Lord. I think that uh, it's interesting that Peter made this never ever statement. Have you ever made a never ever statement? Never ever will I, and we fill in the blank. Uh, in team building exercises, there's a fun game called Never Ever Have I. And you're in a group where you're getting to know people and you say something like, never, ever have I ever jumped out of an airplane. And everybody who's never jumped out of an airplane stands up and switches seats and you kind of get to know, oh, these people are scared like me. They've never jumped out of an airplane or they're really wise. I happen to think the latter, they might think the former, but whatever. Never, ever have I ever goat, uh, milked a goat. And all of you would 
probably stay seated and I'd be standing up like, uh, where do I sit out, right? Like, because never have I ever milked a goat. I honestly don't plan to, to be honest. It's not on my to-do list. We have this never, ever, and it's a good way to get to know each other, but sometimes, like Peter, we will emphatically make promises we never can keep. Like Peter, we might have good intentions, but how many of you know your intentions don't always lead to action? We can have the best intentions, but yet if it never leads to action, there's no actual transformation that occurs. I think that it's not just enough to install and input God's word to our lives. I think we need to apply God's word to our lives. We need to apply it. It's in the application that you begin to see the transformation. Being transformed into the image of the nature and the likeness and the image of Christ Jesus. This is the call to following him, to be shaped by him. It's this element that says, it's not my intention, Lord, but it's my action. Friends, I don't think any of us, to be honest, I mean, very, very few, I think have wrong intentions as it relates to our spiritual lives, as it relates to gathering with the church as it relates to being a part of what God has asked you to do in your life or to leading our family, I don't think we have wrong intentions. I just don't think our actions always follow through on it. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think you will ever publicly deny Jesus. But I do think that each and every day we deny him access to an area of our heart. We may never publicly deny that Jesus is Lord and we will stand and we will say and we will pray and we will do all of those things and we should. My question is, as a follower of Jesus, are there areas of your heart and life you are denying him access to be Lord? See, because the fire is gonna come and it's gonna create pressure in your life. And in those moments of pressure, you may not publicly denounce that you believe in God, but in your heart, you're not going to believe that his word is true. And so you're going to deal with your own sexuality the way you want to deal with it, rather than dealing with it the way that God has prescribed in his word to deal with it. See, when life pressures in your life, you're going to deal. What you don't want him to do is tell you how to run your money because you think it's yours. But when the pressure gets on, we... We, we'll never publicly deny that God doesn't own it all, but privately we will deny him access to our bank accounts. Publicly we will never deny that love is the way because we know to love one another, but privately we let hate grow in our hearts towards another brother or sister because we've become offended. Now we would never publicly deny Jesus. I, I don't believe that we really would in this moment and we don't believe that we would and our intention never would be but, but I came to ask us a question because Peter never thought that he would deny Jesus either. My, my concern for us today and in my own life I'm just searching God where is it that I'm denying you access to be Lord? Where are you not calling the shots in my life? And where am I calling the shots in my life? Friends, I don't think we're going to deny him publicly. We will just deny him access personally. We will sing songs of praise to God, but deny him access to change our gossiping lips. We will attend church publicly, but privately we will continue to stream our trash on Hulu. 
We become outraged at political hypocrisy and antagonism against our candidates, but we deny Jesus access to transform the pride seen in our own perspectives. We will publicly share our favorite verses, yet deny the Holy Spirit room to shift our allegiance from America first to kingdom first. Friends, I don't think we're denying him with our, our mouths. I just think that we've denied him access in our hearts sometimes. We don't intend to, but intentions don't always lead to action. And this is the moment where Peter found himself, where he realized, I have now denied my Savior three times. And it's in that moment, Scripture says something powerful. Luke 22, verse 61, we read it a minute ago. Then, Peter denied the Lord three times. Rooster crowed. Then, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. I don't think he was looking with condemnation. I think he was looking with an invitation. I think he was looking at Peter in the eyes and inviting him, would you Oh, oh, Peter, I, I, I know, I know, Peter. You just denied me three times. I told you, I called it. I am the shot caller. Downtown, bank shot in, game over, I called it. Peter, but would you come? See, it's in the moments where we recognize the denial that we've been, where we've been denying God access to our heart. It's in that moment that Jesus is standing there looking at you with love, and mercy and saying, would you draw near to me? Would you draw close to me? Hebrews 10, I love it. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with an authentic heart, with a heart that says, God, I'm gonna give you full access again. There are things that I've gated off, priorities that I've set that you didn't set. There are perspectives, God, that I've formed and shaped to, to protect me, but those aren't your ideas for my life, God. God, there are things in my marriage that I'm doing that I know aren't of you, but, but Lord, I'm coming to you with a sincere, open, vulnerable heart. God, would you see me and know me? God, I'm coming to you with a sincere heart and with full assurance that only faith can bring. What is that assurance? That our hearts can become sprinkled and cleansed from a guilty conscience. And that our bodies can be washed with the pure water of the love known as the word of God. Friends, that's the promise that we can hold on to. That in the moments where we've been denying the Lord access to our heart as Lord, we can come with full assurance that his eyes are on us and love is pouring from them. And he's saying, would you come draw near to me? See, it's in that moment where we recognize that we've denied him just like Peter that we have an opportunity to draw near to him or run from him. And what did Peter do? He ran and he wept bitterly. Guilt began to creep in and begin to call the shots in Peter's life. Guilt began to be the controlling voice in his life. It was guilt, not the love of God, not the assurance of God. 
Friends, I, I, I talked today and I realized that so far it's been a little bit heavy and it's been a little bit uh, revealing. The fire has started to burn and we've recognized the pressure moments and the combustion and the areas that we may have not publicly denied him, but privately we've been die, denying him access to our hearts. And I want you to know in this moment, in this point in time, that all it takes is you saying, God, I want to come close. And he says, come on. You can go with full assurance knowing that forgiveness can be applied to your scenario. Knowing that in any moment in time, whatever you have put on the throne of your life, he will come and happily replace, but he won't do it on, a, on his own. He won't do it without your invitation and he won't do it until you come. And sometimes the biggest hurdle to us coming close to God is the guilt that we feel. Friends, it's time to not let guilt control us anymore. Some of you during this season of COVID-19, there have been many things that you felt guilty for. You know that there are things in your heart that just haven't been right. And I want you to see God looking at you today with love and compassion and saying, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? See, it was that moment, there was a moment for Peter that awakened something in him. There was a moment for Peter when he realized what it was that he did. It was when the rooster crowed. The rooster began to crow. And all of a sudden, Peter's eyes were opened. For many of you today, I believe that this is a rooster crowing moment for you in your walk with God. This is a rooster crowing moment for me in my heart for the Lord. This is the moment where we're sensing the rooster crow. And when the rooster crows in our life, that's the moment we have an invitation to Jesus to repent. That's the look that Jesus gave Peter. It was an invitation to repent. The rooster crowed. Jesus looked right at Peter and said, you can just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I will follow you. But Peter didn't, and he ran. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to continue to create distance from you and God. You don't have to continue to create distance from you and the body of believers. You don't have to continue to create distance from you and your spouse. Rather, you can have healing and restoration and hope because it's when the rooster crows that new mornings are signaled. And it's when the morning dawns again that the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Come on, cock-a-doodle-doo, his mercy is new. Woo, that was fun. Cheesy and corny, but I hope you never forget it. It wasn't in my notes. It must have been a spirit. I'm not sure it was the Holy Spirit, but. <laughs> cock-a-doodle-doo, his mercy is new for you. It's new for you. It's new for me. See, when the rooster crows and we see the rooster crowing in our lives, that's the moment we get to repent. That's the moment when the pressure from the fire that had caused us to combust, we need to repent quickly. Don't delay. Don't create more distance. Just be quick to repent. I think we're afraid of this word repentance. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because for years, anytime we saw people repent, that gave Christians a right to judge them. Dear God, not let that be true of Faith Church. 
I pray that we would rejoice and celebrate when repentance occurs. When people say, I missed it, that was wrong. And repentance is a biblical term. All it means is to change directions, to change your mind, to shift the way you're thinking. In other words, to shift your thinking, to think that I am Lord, to know God is Lord. It's, it's a shift. It doesn't mean I have to wail and I have to talk about every dirty detail to everybody. No, I think there is a healthy moment of confession, of saying aloud and acknowledging the sin that you have committed or transgressions that have occurred or the things that have been in your heart. It's good to expose those things, not for shame's sake, but for freedom's sake. And it's in that moment when we choose to be quick to repent. I pray that we would be a people that are just quick to repent. We say something that we shouldn't have, we're quick to repent. We do something that we knew wasn't the right thing, we're quick to repent. We, we allow a, 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 a something in our heart to grow, we're just quick to repent. We're just quick to repent. We're rude to somebody, we're just quick to repent. Why? Because we know that his mercy is new every morning. We know that he's looking at us with the eyes of love saying, just draw near, don't get more distance between you. Would you just draw close? I want to give you full assurance of these things. I think repentance looks like we tell Jesus everything. We pray with a trusted friend or a spiritual person, and we just turn around and pursue transformation instead. May we be people that repent quickly. May we be people that when the rooster crow moments happen, and they will happen, it's, it's your parents have found the text message that you didn't want them to find. It's the, your boss has finally caught you in how you've been manipulating your tasks and passing it on to somebody else, where you've been taking the credit and you've been passing all the blame and you get caught. The rooster crow moments are, are when your husband finds your DMs from the guy on the side. It's the moment when the, your friends find the empty bottle of pills that you thought you removed. There are rooster crow moments in our lives. And the rooster crows not to bring guilt or condemnation, but to awake us and draw us back to God with a heart of quick repentance. Friends, when the rooster crows in your life, don't turn and run, creating distance. Draw near to God and be quick to repent. Think about Peter for a minute. Everything went up in smoke for him. He'd given three years of his life to this man, thinking for sure he would overthrow the government and the political solution that they craved for would show up. And now this man who he followed was bound for the cross. He'd given his whole life and he had, he had proclaimed, never, ever will I. But yet he did. Never thought it would happen to him. Never thought it would be possible for it to happen to him. Was sure that he was serving God with full access to his heart. But the pressure of the fire revealed something different. Often the pressure of the fire of life reveals something different for us too. Think about the disciples. They had just gone to Jerusalem, had experienced a tumultuous series of events. 
the triumphal entry. Everybody was excited. The expectation of a new kingdom. Then a betrayal of a trusted friend. Near arrest for themselves. A denial of Jesus by their leader, Peter. The agonizing crucifixion of Jesus. The resurrection the manifestation of the risen Lord, and understandably, they were confused and unsure about the future, and that's where they were at. After all of these things had occurred, and in comes the story in John chapter 21. Jesus had risen from the dead. They knew he was alive. All of these events had occurred. They were, they were looking back at the aftermath of the week. As they're looking back at the aftermath of the week, Peter's like, y'all, I can't handle this anymore. I got to get out of this house. We've been quarantined here, hiding from the Roman officials for too long. And all the Jewish leaders, I'm done. I got to get out of here. I'm going fishing. For you and me, that sounds like, oh, that sounds like a great escape. I like to go fishing to escape things too. For Peter, it wasn't just an escape. It was a return back to his old way of life. It was a return back to his own way of providing. It was a return back to an old paradigm, an old consumer understanding of his religion. And all the disciples were like, well, uh, I guess we'll go with you. And they're out in a boat fishing. And scripture says, early in the morning, early in the morning. I imagine the rooster probably just crowed, early in the morning. Jesus is on shore and he sees them out fishing and he says, friends, have you caught anything yet? A fisherman's worst, most feared question when they haven't caught anything. No, we haven't caught anything. And Jesus says something familiar to them. Why don't you throw your nets on the other side? They throw it. They catch the fish. And all of a sudden, John looks at Peter. He says, oh, I think that's the Lord. Peter, already knowing in his heart that it was Jesus, grabs his stuff, jumps out of a boat, and rushes where, where only chapters ago he was running in the opposite direction. Now he's running towards Jesus. And you know where Jesus is at? The Bible says he's sitting around the campfire. And he invites Peter in to come around the fire. He's sitting around the fire and they start cooking the fish. and They have this encounter and, and Jesus looks at Peter and he asks him, one question, three times. Sound familiar? One question, three different times. Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter, where he once denied knowing Jesus around a fire, now has an opportunity to sincerely give full allegiance to Jesus yet again giving him full access to his heart and life and says, Lord, you know, you know I love you. Friends, this is the invitation of Jesus to you today, to come around the fire again 
And what once has created pressure and combustion now is giving you an opportunity to look inwardly and see in the light of your own heart and answer the question, Lord, do I love you more than these? We don't know what Jesus was asking. Do you love me more than these fish? It's possible. Maybe Jesus is asking you that question. Do you love me more than these things that provide you safety, security, identity? See, Peter was known as a fisherman. What are the things that you claim to be your identity? What are the things you claim to be your way of living, your, your own personal pursuits and, and priorities? What, do you love God more than these things? Where's your heart? Is it full allegiance or is it denying him in pockets and ways? Do you love him more than these? Maybe Jesus was asking him, Peter, do you love me more than these? These people? These other disciples who look up to you? These other people who have an opinion about you? These other people who look to you to be the, the man? Do you love me more than the popularity and the opinions of other people? Do you love me more than what they think about you, Peter? Do you, do you love me more than appearing the right way but having a rotten heart? Do you, do you love me more than these? Was that what Jesus was asking? I don't know. Maybe. I think it's left a little mysterious. On purpose. Because the question to you might be a different answer than the person next to you. Do you love him, God, more than these? What are these in your life? These are the things that you've put as a priority over God. That's what these are. Those are those things. And when life goes up in smoke, and you have that moment where the rooster crows and you know, and he invites you in and says, do you love me more than these? Peter gets restored around the fire in the same manner in which he denied him. Friends, the invitation today, what do we do when life goes up in smoke? What do we do when our best intentions go up in smoke like Peter? We encounter God's restorative mercy around the fire. That's what we do. That's what we do. We encounter his restoration and his mercy around the fire. That's what we do. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes as we come to the Lord's table? And I just simply want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? And I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna show you any area where you are not fully aligned, where you are not fully surrendered to him. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in this moment? Where are we not fully surrendered? Where can we not answer the question, yes, Lord, we love you more than these, as we fill in the blank? as we come to your table today. Lord, it's an invitation to all who would want to come, to come 
and to recognize that you are Lord. So Lord, today where we haven't surrendered to you, maybe for the first time, people in their heart right now are just whispering, Lord, I surrender to you. They're beginning a relationship with you. Lord, for some of us, we're, we're acknowledging where we've been, Lord, in our lives and we haven't let you be, Lord. And we're repenting today. We say we're sorry. We acknowledge it. And we turn from it. But Lord, we thank you that today we get to encounter your mercy and your restoration because of what you did at the cross. We can gather with assurance because of your blood and your body and your sacrifice that you made at Calvary's cross. We thank you for it. Let's take the bread and let's remember his body. Now the juice, which represents his forgiveness. Lord, today I pray for your people. Lord, that when the rooster crows, when the pressure comes and combustion occurs, may we be found drawing close to you, not running and creating distance from you. Lord, when life goes up in smoke, when our intentions go out the window, may we be quick to return to you and encounter your restoration and your mercy this week. Moment by moment, new mercies may we see. In the name of the Father who loves us, we pray. In the name of the Son who showed us what love looked like by dying on the cross. In the name of the Holy Spirit who is with us always, we pray. Amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.